1: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and
0: situations. We're set on second ten gets the spins runs up the middle it back with the ten, the five on the hands-mark. touchdown. Nick Chubb. That may be the. Name.
1: Something got into the Cleveland Browns last night, or something got into the Cincinnati Bengals. Somebody had some good candy, or somebody had some bad candy, because, man, the Browns dismantled the Bengals. We'll talk about that and much more over the course of the next two hours. We have to live, presented by Google Pixel. Learn more at Google Store. Dot com. Hello to our audience on Peacock and on Sirius XM 85 Sky Sports, NFL, UK, and London, and not London, UK, and Ireland. Boy, I was going so well. Yeah, you you're, so,
2: you're so professional and there also, for a minute.
1: I was. I really was. And, you know, I revert back to my normal form. And hello to everyone listening on the podcast wherever you may be.
2: Hello, Christopher. Hello. Nice to
1: see you this weekend, Christopher. It's
2: good to see you as well. It is good. I'm like, I'm coming out of my own like uh coma right now. Like I had one of those, uh, I mean, watching the game. Great. All that it's Halloween. As you know, the kids, I got a 12 year old, a 16 year old. And like, I'm telling you, I, I, I haven't eaten candy. Like I did last night in a long time. <laughs> and I'm like, I feel like I can't wake up this morning Um, I do not feel like myself. I, my, my daughter came home at like, I'm going to say around 10 o'clock. Right. And dumped a bag of candy on the table. And I just haven't eaten that many Kit Kats and Reese's peanut butter cups. And then got into like, oh, just, you know, the, the sweet and sour stuff, like the candy candy, not just chocolate and peanut butter and, you know, that but got into like uh airheads and jolly ranchers, and oh my gosh, I'm so disgusted with myself right now, Mike. First of all, did you have any taffy last night? Oh, so wait, I small did taffy I, squares. So my wife goes, It's so funny, Mike loves Starburst now, huh? And I'm like, Yeah, yeah, it is an underrated candy, blah blah blah. And then you know, digging through the pile there, I'm like, Hey, there's some Starburst. So thanks to you, I probably shoved, I don't know, five <laughs> to six of them in my mouth in a, in that hour span there. I mean, I'm really, it's disgusting. I'm I'm in a sugar coma. I passed out last night when the game was over, as soon as it was over.
1: See, I thought you were going to tell me that you like ate some gummies that shouldn't have been mixed in with the other candy <laughs> no, no, you know, no, An no, effect no. on you that would have been that. funny no that would have been funny if that would have ended up there have been sitcoms over the years with all sorts of crazy premises about things that end up in the candy bowl i remember a specific episode of everybody loves raymond for example but it would be something if the Sims candy bowl ended up with some gummies in there that <laughs> came from dad's stash. That would be, yeah, that would be
2: a scene. We're trying not to let that happen quite yet. No, no, no gummies in the kids candy stash quite yet. No, not yet. They're not quite at that age. My daughter might be getting close to there, but it's, you know, still, she's 16. So none of that yet. Did you do the whole candy
1: thing last night? Because your children are getting older and the Halloween.
2: Uh huh. It's, you you feel like it's coming to an end it's sad it is sad there's no doubt like i was glad like i'm at that age mike where i mean again they don't care as much anymore and then the other thing that came to like came to light this weekend is i'm at the age where my daughter you know it's a costume sure but it's like you know wrapped in sexiness a little bit right you know it's like oh what are you for oh you're a you're a I don't know, a fairy with wings and a short skirt and a short shirt. Oh, okay, okay. So that's where we're at in that one too, Mike, which is like a it's I know you have only a son, but it's a surreal moment for like a guy like me, macho guy here, ex football player, and I'm like, Man, there's my daughter with you know just, it's just, it's all happening. I can't believe it. She's becoming a woman in front of my eyes. <laughs> Sending her out into a world
1: filled with men like you. <laughs> exactly. Very scary. Exactly. Right. Something Very I've never had to deal with. <laughs> we had our traditional two trick or treaters here at the top of the hill. Okay. I said at one point, anybody that actually walked up the hill with a bag, I'd give them a $100 bill. I never really meant it, and no one's ever tried to take me up on it. We have neighbors who are about halfway down the hill. They take a car up so they don't qualify. So I'll right. try to come back today and get your $100 bill right. if you're even listening. But And so since we have so few, my wife makes these bags. And I think she took some to our nephews who are in their teens, so right. they don't really get into Halloween anymore. But I think it's just that we've been doing it for so long. And the place we used to live— we had to be ready we had to be prepared we had to have backup bags of candy we had to have more candy than we'd ever give out which was always good for the rest of the week and the next week and the next week carry you right into thanksgiving yeah with right. all the extra candy <laughs> around <laughs> right, I mean, right. It, we were under siege for that whatever it is 90 minutes it feels like four hours they're nonstop stop because it was a great location People would come in from other communities, kids you don't know, kids you don't see. And we didn't mind. It was fun. And now, for eight years, it's been the exact opposite. Seriously, we never have more than two, ever. Because it it doesn't make any sense. Why would you waste your time walking all the way to the top of that hill? It has four houses on it. You go to a place where there's a high concentration of bowls of gummies that accidentally were put in a bowl. By (laughs) the way, by the way. What? Today is the fairly momentous occasion. Of November 1st. I was thinking about this last night and talking to my son about it. We were watching the game and 21 years ago. Today's the day. The switch was flipped and it's just amazing. I, I don't know what I really thought. I don't know what I was really doing. I don't know what the plan really was. It was just, Hey, let's go do this and see what happens. That was the attitude. Just go do it. And see what happens when www.profootballtalk.com went live. Amazing. 21 years ago today. Happy birthday. 21... Do I have license to say it? No, I'm not going to say it. Yeah, that. you should. I'm not 21 years, no, you should I'm not be able say to. It. No, they're telling me not to say it. I see it, the moment's passed. But, man, it, it, it really is a weird feeling to think, number one, 21 years have passed like that, and, you know... The, this thing that had no mission statement, no grand plan, no. Gra- I see all these web operations out there, and you can tell that they they've got these grand plans, and they hire these people with big titles, and they're going to do this, and they're going to do that, and we're going to do this. One thing you learn, you can't you can't make anything happen. You just have to go do it. And the harder you try to make something happen, the harder it is to make it happen. You just have to go do it. You find something you really like. Something that you're moderately good at, yeah. you put time and effort into it, yeah. and you just go. And life takes you wherever it takes you. And right. if you're trying to go this way, you're going to go that way. If you're trying to go that way, you're going to go that way. That's just the way it works. So you find, and that's my, people ask me, oh, they, they think I've got some formula for a moderate degree of success in this world. The formula is, find something you like that you're moderately good at and bust your ass and see what happens. That's it. Yeah. That's I hear it. You. That's the secret.
2: Yeah. No, it, hey, congratulations, man. You found you found your secret, seriously. And you're you're good at it and I'm uh, I'm glad to be a part of yeah. it. So, happy birthday, man. Happy 23rd. Oh, well,
1: thank you. Thank you. That's the nicest thing you've possibly ever said to me. I don't know. You're under the influence of those gummies from last night apparently. <laughs> but it, and you know
2: I mean, lost in all that. We've been doing this for five years I now. I know. That's crazy. It's flying. Isn't that amazing? I don't know what's happened. In the last, I hit 35, and somewhere in that range, life started on the fast-forward button. It really is. It's days are flying by. Weeks are flying by. I mean, here we are. It's, it's, it's week nine of the NFL season. We're halfway through the year. It's just uh, it's crazy. It's actually sad is how fast life is going by right now.
1: Well, I was 36 when we started this and, uh, you know, 36 plus 21 equals old. And, you know, I was thinking last night, how much longer is this going to last? I don't know. 20 more years. Oh shit. 57 plus 20. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, maybe I'll make it to 50 years of PFT. Oh, wait a minute. I don't like how that math works out either. No, no one's going to want to listen to that either. Yeah. 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 (laughs) So, uh, anyway, but thanks to everybody out there that and one thing i've noticed too the the show's kind of created its own thing where people watch who don't go to the website and first of all yeah. what's wrong with right. you because i'll get emails saying hey here's this story i haven't heard you talk about it on the show okay fine but we've got 20 stories about it at pft have you not been there you know this year the brett Favre welfare fraud fiasco right doesn't really fit in a football season two hours on a weekday when the guy isn't playing yeah he's not part of the nfl anymore right he's been retired for a decade yes it's a significant story because there's been all the media is ignoring it well we sure aren't at profootballtalk.com, where you have more space. You can write whatever you want. You can cover whatever you want to cover. So for those of you out there who enjoy the show, may we suggest that when the show isn't on, you go to profootballtalk.com, the thing that was ultimately responsible for this thing that you now see. If you like this, chances are you'll like that. That's the end of my pitch. All right, let's get to it. We have done our perfunctory 10 minutes of wasted time. It was 60 minutes of wasted time for the Bengals last night. 32-13, to 13, and it was dominance. I thought it was going to be a shutout. I really did. Once the Bengals scored, it didn't matter at that point. There wasn't enough time for them to get back into it. There just wasn't. And then the Browns answer with a touchdown, and then it's really over. But it was 25 nothing going into the fourth quarter, I think, Trying to shut as much of that experience
2: out of my brain as possible. Yeah, there was some time. Yeah, it was twenty five nothing. You're right. They scored right at the start of the fourth quarter to make it twenty five to six. Unbelievable.
1: Unbelievable.
2: Right. What the Browns did to the Bengals. Yeah. Big picture. What do you think happened last night? Well, big picture last night, first off, Cleveland is better than a two and or three and five football team, as we've discussed, right? They got nobody to blame. I think if they did things the right way, and situational football and not go out of bounds against the Jets and you know a few other situations where you go, they could very easily be the other the opposite of this five and three, six and two. So I think they're better than their record. Then I think with the Cincinnati, I think we're seeing throughout the league lack of good teams around the league. There's lack of good teams. It's a weird year. We, we have a very short list of real good teams, and then we have a bunch of other teams that are okay, solid, and good You know, in a certain week, but like not real good. Maybe some potential to be real good. And then I think the Bengals, too, we see a matchup issue here, one where the offensive line is still a real issue. You know, that's the way place I misevaluated the game last night. I thought, you know, Cincinnati, the way the Browns have been playing against the run, the Bengals would be able to run just enough to slow the pass rush down, open up some play action passes, but this was the theme of the night. They, can't, they still can't protect Joe Burrow at all. The speed of the Browns front was everywhere. And then you see, too, how reliant they are on Jamar Chase because, Mike, again, as we watch, and I wanted to text you during the game last night, look at these plays right here. No shifts, no motions, very basic comment, go, concepts, so plays right into the hands of that, and what we're seeing, too, with Cincinnati, unlike weeks before where it's the Saints and other te- Saints and uh, who was the team they beat before this, Atlanta, if you don't give them chances to go deep one-on-one, throw a slant back shoulder, oh, wait, it's a it's a blitz and it's one-on-one with Jamar Chase down in the field, they're not really capable of like moving the ball that way. That's That's what they are. So they're they're a struggling four and four football team with some, some issues in some areas that I don't know can get them to where they want to go this year, Mike. And this is a low key. Similar situation as to
1: what Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay have going on, where there's domination by one side, Kevin Stefanski right? five and zero now yeah. against Zach Taylor and the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals just can't find a win. And, I don't know how I would have felt about last night's game if we were picking on Thursday and if we knew that Jamar Chase wasn't going to play. And
2: what? It would have changed everything.
1: I mean, yes. Well,
2: I, I, I
1: still probably would have picked the Bengals to win. I don't disagree with I that I don't either. know that, that it would have been one of our best bets. No. We would have gone in a different direction right. because we each had the Bengals given three and a half points
2: or something like that. Either way, we but might have been wrong, you- but it, it changes the game totally, right.
1: When you take away a guy who can take it to the end zone from anywhere on the field, you can throw it short, you can throw it long, you have to devote extra resources to him, that changes everything. Because then you still have T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd in addition to the guy that is clearly the key to the passing attack. And just to see Burrow getting swallowed up routinely on nights like the one we saw last night. Yeah, yeah. I start to wonder if he's ever going to sign a second contract with the Bengals. I I don't want to trigger Bengals fans on a morning when they're already feeling salty about what happened to their team. But I know that he's paying very careful attention to the moves they make to become a legitimate high-end contender. It can't just be Burrow and Chase. Right. And look at what happens when you take chase out of the mix. They have to have more the offensive line and the offensive line hadn't been horrible of late, but it was horrible last night and Burrow was getting swallowed up. And you know, it's amazing that he just finds a way to keep going. It is the way he gets hit, the way right. he gets twisted around. I mean, we saw it two years ago this month, he tore the ACL, but they, they have to find a way to protect him better. And, yeah. He will I think at least ponder the possibility. You have to have some degree of strategic thinking when it comes to your own career in the NFL. Right, right. I, I just nights like last night, games like that, when I see that, and it's one of the, you know, unusual occasions that we can focus on one team. When I look at what I saw last night from the Bengals, I say, Man, Joe Burrow may not want to be around that. They better fix that. And I don't know whether it's coaching, personnel, a combination. Yeah, I don't want to put Zach Taylor on the hot seat. The guy just went to the Super Bowl last yeah, year. But, yeah, right. but these are all factors Joe Burrow's got to look at when he's making the long-term decision about where he's going to let the balance of his NFL career unfold. I'm not saying what decisions he's going to make or what he should make. All I'm saying is, during last night's game, if you're a Bengals fan deep down, see, this is what pisses people off. We say the things out loud that you're afraid of, that you don't want to think about. If you're a Bengals fan, deep down, part of you is thinking and trying to push down and ignore the possibility that Joe Burrow is going to say at some point, thanks, guys, but
2: it's time for me to move on. Yeah, well, I I hope not. I hope not. But I, I hear you. I mean, I understand what you're trying to say here with the amount he's been hit, got hurt already once, Yeah, got to the Super Bowl, that was great. But, you know, behind one of the poorer Super Bowl offensive lines we've ever seen in the history of football. So, yeah, and then, you know, I think that's the disappointing thing about the Bengals here as even compared to last year. You know, their offensive line, the adjustments they made, they're not as good on the offensive line as they were last year. I mean, it's, it's, it's actually not even close. The offensive line last year was significantly better than what it is. Uh, so that's where it's, it's, it's got to stink for Joe Burrow and the Bengals in general. Now, do they, you know last year, Joe Mixon was what, top five in football rushing? He might have been three, if I can remember off the top of my head. That's not even going to happen to get close this year. I mean, if he gets 1,000 yards, it'll be a miracle. So they don't have that aspect of the game. And then, you know, so there's that. But then also to you to what you said, too, they got to help. They got to do more on offense. I've continued to say this. You know, I said this before the last two games they won and really was shocked in a lot of ways that, like I was saying before, that New Orleans and Atlanta just gave these opportunities of like, we're going to blitz and play man to man. And, you know, wait, that's the only way they beat people. So they don't help them out with that stuff at times. And last night, there wasn't much done to slow down the pass rush formations, keep an extra guy in. There wasn't a ton of that. That's that's their issue. They're a little bland, they're a little too reliant on the stars. But to rebuttal you just a little, they are all in on Joe Burrow. And then what you know, and again I know they may be, I know they yeah, are. Yeah.
1: I know they are and they're gonna the continue is, to be. Is he? I know I know. I, I know. Yeah. They sold the naming rights to the stadium. They know they gotta shake every quarter they can out of the couch cushions to have enough money available for him. But it can't just be him. I know. know. Let me give you the example. I don't want to get too deep in the weeds on this, but the offensive line, they went out and consciously tried to make it better, right? and it's not. Well, one of the peel back the curtain, peel down the onion reasons why they don't have better talent on the offensive line is because they don't guarantee any money beyond the first year of the contract for veterans other than quarterback.
2: Yeah, I hear you.
1: They and the Packers are the only two teams in the league to do that, so... You know, maybe they could have gotten Ryan Jensen from the Buccaneers. And I know he's injured now, but that doesn't mean he was going to be injured with the Bengals. He got injured in practice with the Buccaneers. So you could have gotten a Ryan Jensen if you're willing to guarantee money beyond the first year of the contract. And what a difference that could have made, assuming he doesn't get injured there and he becomes the centerpiece of your offensive line and transforms the way the rest of the guys think. And there's no alternate reality to compare that to. But that's what happens when you are in that outdated mindset of we're not going to guarantee money beyond the first year. So they've, they've got to change the way they think about everything. It can't just be, oh, we got a great quarterback and a great receiver. We've got to find a way to keep the two of them, and everything else stays the same. I hear you You've got to upgrade everything yeah. if you're going to make Joe Burrow happy and want to be there. That's my point.
2: Yeah, I I, I don't disagree with you And there. Bengals
1: fans should want that. Right. They should want that.
2: Right. Yeah, you're, you're right. You've you got a chance right now to, like you said, break the mold, Whatever, however you want to say, it, go all in because you got a quarterback that that is special and that can that can take you to the Super Bowl as we've seen. So, you know, I one thing I could say is being there into the summer a little bit, they're obsessed with him. It is his his organization. He is the man there, and and you can tell everybody thinks that he knows that. Uh, but you're right; they got to take the proper actions and, and do the right things here to support him. To, to make him feel comfortable. But I, I would, again, be an Ohio kid. You know, I think he's a kid that loves the challenge, wants to make the no-name Bengals cool, like has that, you know, type of confidence and cockiness to go, wait, so what? The Bengals aren't that great. I'm going to make them great. And, and I think, you know, again, you don't throw that out the window for anything. That's all I'm saying. But, but you're right. You make the right points, and they gotta, they got to break the mold of kind of how they've done business there, you know, through their, through their history.
1: What saved them in April of 2020 was that Joe Burrow was from Ohio. If he wasn't from Ohio, and I, I'm sorry to do this to you, Bengals fans, but yeah, you're I just, killing them today. telling them that. Happy truth. November first. If he 1st. wasn't from Ohio, if he wasn't from Ohio, he would have refused to play for the Bengals. A quote from Playmakers, which, by the way, you can buy today, one Holy day only. Holy
2: shit! 21 year. And we got to hear this shit let me tell too now. now let, me, let me give you this spiel. <laughs> let me give
1: you this spiel. The because it's the 21st anniversary promotion. If you buy it today and you follow the instructions at PFT, you get a free personalized signed book plate, which is a fancy word for a sticker, up to 10 word personalization. We do have editorial control over what I will and won't write in that 10 words before I sign my name. But, you know, the, yeah, if, you, if you, because people, hey, will you sign the book? Will you sign the book? Can I send it to your side? Well, here's the, the Today's the day. Buy it today. And you get that. But in that book, one of the lines, which I didn't pull out of thin air, which I got from somebody I trust who is familiar with Joe Burrow's thinking, if he was from Athens, Georgia, and not Athens, Ohio, he would have refused to play for the Bengals. So be advised, Bengals organization, it's not enough to just kiss this guy's ass. you got to come up with a way to convince him that you are going to be truly competitive over the long haul. And the only reason I'm talking about this any Bengals fan with any amount of objectivity watching last night's game has to ask, are we truly on track to becoming the team we thought we were on our way to becoming last year when we made it to the Super Bowl?
2: The answer right now is no. No, definitely not. I'm with you. Last year, I know their record wasn't great last year around this point. They might have been 4-4. Four and four. And let me just double-check that while I'm sitting here just to make sure. It was around that, but we didn't see... Again, even with the offensive line issues, we saw the ability to run the ball a little bit. And last year, no, yeah, they were sitting there at 5-2 and two at one point, all right, and then lost to the Jets and Browns before their bye week, all right? So that that made them 5-4 and four going into the bye week. But we saw, and I know – I had moments on Sunday Night Football and everything where I went, man, there's a lot of things to like about the Browns. It might not be perfect, but they can run the ball, they're making big plays, and the defense was getting better. And right now, they can't make big plays unless it's one-on-one with Chase or Higgins. That's a definite theme. They can't run the ball at all. And if you're not one-on-one bump and run to where he can drop back and, oh, throw a back shoulder or, drop back and throw a go route and do that, then they can't protect long enough for them to develop deep down the field aggressive throws, Mike. Ones where, you know, again, it's zone coverage. I drop back and I look at the post on the left and, oh, he's not open. And then let me look at the deep crosser coming across. Oh, he's not there. And then there's another crosser following behind him. He never even has the time to do that stuff. And that's where he thrives. He thrives in the pocket reading coverage, and then being an aggressive decision-maker and an awesome thrower off of that. And that's where, you know, it's frustrating. And, you know, last night he didn't have time to do any of that. He couldn't get one-on-one coverage. They couldn't run the ball to give play-action pass, and they couldn't even come close to protecting him long enough to where he could actually drop back and they can attack down the field.
1: Most NFL games come down to a handful of moments that if it goes one way – one team is more likely to win. If it goes the other way, it helps the other team. And the Bengals were driving right down the field to start the game. Right, right. This is where it's helpful to have Miles Garrett because Miles Garrett disrupts a play, interception for the Browns, yep. drive ends. Right. And, you know, we had a stalemate for a while at nothing, nothing. Yeah. But there it is. Um, the the interception there's Garrett Garrett gets a hand on it it gets tipped again and then the pick and kill that drive when it felt like the Bengals were destined to at least get three if not seven and that's just one of those moments when you look back that 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 goes the Browns way right. and it helps contribute to keeping it at nothing nothing exactly. long enough for the Browns offense to get going
2: well yeah keep it keep it at a point where right the Browns offense goes we we, we can keep running we don't have to You know, push the issue here. And then what did that do? it gave it made Cincinnati who knew that hey we're playing a really good run team it it made them play run defense and all of a sudden hey he drops back it's a play action or he drops back and because they're playing the run Amari Cooper or Donovan Peoples Jones are, w- are wide open down the field because they're playing a defense where they're trying to stop the run and you know play some little cute zone coverage with a short number of guys cuz they've broken them down the right way and they're, they're outnumbered in some of those areas. I mean, that's, that's what Elisa looked like on TV last night with some of the replays. So, yeah, but your your point is right, Mike. You know, the Bengals needed to get up 3, 7, 10. So the Browns maybe had to change their style of play a little bit. And then maybe the Browns, oh, we our defense, we need to take a chance and make a play. Oh, now it's man-to-man. Oh, T. Higgins. Boom. That's what the Bengals wanted to get that game to last night. And they were never even close to really, or they were close to getting to it. But every time it kind of got there, it was the missed field goal. Oh, he got strip sack, you know, fumble, or the tip pass interception. And slowly but surely that that Browns run game, you know, end of the first half, start of the third quarter, I mean, good night. I mean, the third quarter, it was a, that was a clinic of, of offense by the Browns just marching it down the, the throat of the, uh, the Cincinnati Bengals' defense.
1: And for Miles Garrett, it was five weeks to the day after that car accident that they showed photos last night. Every time I see photos of that car, first of all, I don't know how he fits in it. Second of all, I don't know how he walked away from that. But he had one and a half sacks last night, four quarterback hits, defended one pass with that tip, counts as a pass defensed. And uh, here's Kevin Stefanski, coach of the Browns after the game, talking about how they got pressure on Burrow and the performance of Miles Garrett.
0: Yeah, I think a a nice game plan by Joe and the staff. I thought some of the things that they did really tested their protections and tested some of their uh, uh, line movement, if you will. And then, uh, you know, again, individual effort. Miles was very good. He does what 95 does. He, he, you know, was playing dominant out there. He's very difficult for people to block one-on-one, so he gets a ton of attention. And when when that happens, others are getting one-on-ones.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, that's the key. And you had five different players get in the stat column with sacks. And when Garrett got one and a half, so somebody got a half and other guys got the, you know, but five different guys for five sacks, uh, that's, that's when you know your defense is working and or the other team's offensive line isn't. But again, it helps to have Miles Garrett. And, and as you've been saying, because people have been asking me, and I've been giving you liberal credit, your ears probably have been burning. Anytime the issue comes up about offensive line play, your point, which I think is completely accurate. The defensive linemen are just better than the offensive linemen right now, yeah. and they yeah. they kick their asses on a regular
2: basis. Definitely, I mean, yeah, there's that's, that's, there's no injuries on the Bengals offensive line. I mean, there they are. The, the The Browns' D linemen are banged up. They're not even it's not even their starting group out there last night. Yeah, they had Clowney and Miles Garrett. They got a bunch of other guys that are out. So it just it is to the point, point. and we just see that right now with. You know, I think there's a number of teams that just that overrun certain teams because the offensive lines aren't that good. And it is, it's, it's certainly a little bit of an issue in the league right now. But that was yeah. You know, that's Hey, that's Jonah Williams, right? I mean, he's supposed to be he's a first-round left tackle. We're supposed to be able to depend on him a little bit. You know, he didn't he got beat by him. He got beat by everybody last night at points during the game. That's where it's it's just it's not good. And then when you can't even fathom opening up a hole to do anything that way for Joe Mixon who of course is still talented it can be dangerous if you can get him in the open That that's where it's tough and the Bengals defense is still good it's just they got worn out you know how much can you take how much can you be on the field before okay how many times can you know the can you take on the pulling guard and think okay we're gonna hold our ground and make this happen and slowly but surely with that run game and then big plays in the pass game, it became an explosive offensive night for the Cleveland Browns. And just, you know, it's, it's, uh, they were, they were a machine on the offensive side of the ball. It really was huge, huge plays in the pass game. And then Nick Chubb showed why he's, you know, arguably the best running back in football to go behind it. I mean, he really is. This speed power combination, like he shows on this play here, it's pretty damn special, Mike. I know you, you like his game too.
1: And just forces his way into the end zone. They had a couple of extra offensive linemen there, and then he scores on the two-point attempt when they got it a little bit closer. 23 carries, 101 rushing yards and two touchdowns for Nick Chubb last night. Kareem Hunt added 42, and that helped the passing game. Amari Cooper, 131 receiving yards, quietly 131. Very quietly, Donovan Peoples-Jones, 81 receiving yards. But when you can – see, wait. We get so infatuated with passing game, passing game, passing game, passing game. The running game, not nearly as as sexy as the passing game. But the running game sets up the passing game. When you are putting defenses in a position where they're on their heels, they're getting tired, they're wondering what's going on, why on every play they're going to have five, six, seven yards, they can't get to the guy, they can't get him down. That's when they're vulnerable to play action that's when the safeties start creeping up that's when the passing game opens up you just can't come out and say hey we're going to pass all over you you've got to soften up the defense before the pass is going to work it's a time-honored formula but how many teams either don't try or can't do it or aren't committed to it get away from it too quickly and the situation will get you away from it that's what you were the point you were making if 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 you're down 14 points. Yeah. At some point you got to say the hell with the run game. I mean, I was amazed the other night the Packers stuck with the run game as long as they did when they were getting their asses kicked by the bills. Yeah. But you, you have to abandon it at some point and, and then it just makes it even harder to throw the ball. So it's, it's very simple. If your run game is working, it can unlock the rest of your offense and you can have a night like you had last night.
2: That's right. Are you got to be really special in the pass game, right? To overcome it. You got to be, the Bills or the Chiefs, with great pass protection and a good system and weapons, and you know even them, we know them. They even still need the run game at times. You can't just totally avoid it. But you explained it right, and and that's that was the difference in the game last night in a lot of ways. I mean, it really can be as simple as that. The Cleveland Browns got to sit back and play zone and keep everybody in front of them. And oh wait, now it's third and long, and we might be able to bring a cool five-man pressure or whatever that way. And they got to play that way the whole night, where Cincinnati, I mean, we just showed in that package there, their defense, as each play we showed, you kept seeing more and more guys in the screen because they're all, oh gosh, we got to get, safety's got to creep up. And yes, it just leads to so many positive things on the the offensive side of the ball. But yeah, it shows you what the Browns are, are capable of. It really does. And it's a shame they are where they are because... You know, they are a team that has tremendous team speed on the defensive side of the ball. They're small. That's an issue, but they have tremendous team speed. And then offensively, you see, I mean, most weeks they move the ball and just about everybody throughout the year. It's just, you know, dumb mistakes or managing moments or not kicking a field goal and going for it on fourth down too much and stuff like that that has really hurt their football team. And uh, that's that's that does that is what stinks. Let's see if they can make a run here because I do think they're a team that's certainly better than three and five, and and you know is capable of you know being in that playoff conversation in the AFC. I really do.
1: We've seen them in prime time twice this year at home against division rivals and they have shown up in both games. Yeah, that's right. Similar formula in both games. Nick Chubb getting it done, defense getting it done, Amari Cooper getting it done. But I'm looking back at their at their week by week schedule. Okay, yeah. they barely beat the Panthers. Right. Then they have that game week 2 where they had the Jets beaten and it was a failure of coaching. I'm a Kevin Stefanski fan, but it was a failure of coaching that left the door open for the Jets to come back and steal that game. Then I mentioned the Steelers win on Thursday Night Football, three-point loss to the Falcons, two-point loss to the Chargers. A game that that they did a lot of things wrong too. Give them, yeah, and they did
2: Uh, things wrong too, right, right.
1: Yeah, the Patriots game got away from them. They could have beaten the Ravens. So I mean, this is a team at three and five that could be as good as seven and one. Should be five and three or six and two. And they only have themselves to blame as they go into their bye week now and they get ready for their last three games before Deshaun Watson. That win last night was huge because at three and five, now look, they don't have three easy games no. before Deshaun Watson returns. And maybe they'll lose all three of them. But if they could find a way to win two of the next three, they're in good
2: position for the final six with Deshaun Watson. Uh, agreed. You know, who knows? Just, just hang in there. and a year where... It's mediocrity throughout the NFL, really, and the. I mean, again, it, it's it's pretty strange. You know, I, I, there, there's going to be a door open with the that with the the five, six, seven spot in the in the AFC. I mean, again, we know right now the Chargers sitting there at four and three. Great, Cleveland was toe to toe with them, and like you just talked about, every every could have beat them easily. Messed up their own things. Were given opportunities to to get the game back and in in. in in, in, in their favor that way, you know, and, and they play Miami in a few weeks. You know, Miami, again, we know they, their offense is explosive. Their defense has not been great. They give up big plays. That could be a game where they run the ball on Miami and cause issues for them. So I'm not counting them out yet, not with the way this year has gone and way everybody's beating each other. And in the AFC where we go, there's two teams that I think are clearly above the rest, and then you got like Tennessee and Baltimore I think are in that second cut and then everything else is up for grabs in my opinion that's the kind of way I look at it Mike I don't know if you think there's anybody else I should throw in there but you know the Bills Kansas City then Tennessee and the Ravens okay I like those four teams the rest of it damn it's it's going to be just who gets hot and who plays consistently down the stretch
1: Miles Simmons and I were talking about the NFC side of it yesterday. With the Cowboys and the Giants doing so well behind the Eagles, it only leaves one spot up for grabs for the non-division winners. And you could see Green Bay or San Francisco not make it, Mm -hmm. or the Rams not make it. I mean, between Green Bay, Seattle, San Francisco, and the Rams, two of them aren't going to make it. In the AFC, once you get past the division winners, you got the Jets And the Dolphins at five and three, the Patriots at four and four, Cincinnati at four and four,
2: the Chargers at four and three, the
1: Chargers at four and three, and then it's Colts at three four and one. But they seem to be folding the tents on the season. And then you got some three and five teams like the Broncos, like the Browns, and so there's an opening there. I mean, nobody's really dead yet in the AFC except for the one five and one Texans. Yeah, but even they aren't dead if they can figure. But they're dead. They're dead. But even the Raiders at two and five, they're not dead yet. So it, I thought the NFC would be the more wide open conference this year. The AFC is far more wide open for the wild card spots than I than I expected. I thought it was going to be like ten really good teams jostling for those seven spots, and it, it's it's not playing out that
2: way. Well. No, Denver's been underwhelming. The Colts have been underwhelming. The Bengals aren't what we thought they were going to be. Uh, the Patriots are. Kind of in flux right now. The Chargers, the Chargers haven't been dominant. I think Miami, maybe their team that has a chance to be thrown into that conversation with that second group in the AFC. Maybe you know the Ravens and the Titans to where maybe Miami deserves to be in that conversation. I think they might be getting close to that. Uh, but but yeah, it is it is surprising. And you know you make a good point about the NFC too. The Giants, Dallas factor, and, and all of that is is really, it's makes it tight down the stretch there. I mean, if you made me bet money right now, I'm going to go, you know what? I don't know. I don't think the Packers or the Rams are going to be going to the playoffs. I think they're in deep trouble. I do. So we'll see where it goes. But it is funny in this year where it just, yeah does not seem like there's a lot of real good football teams in the NFL. There's a lot of mediocrity. There's three or four real good teams, and then the rest of the league is, oh, they got potential, maybe when they get healthy, and we'll see if they can turn it on here. Uh, But it's, it's an odd year like that for sure.
1: And now that we're into November, it bears repeating. There will be a team or two or three hovering around 500 at Thanksgiving It begins to figure it out and starts to close on some of these teams that have fattened up with records that may not reflect who they really are, like the five and three Jets, like the Giants at six and two, like the Vikings at six and one. And those teams start to fade. Yeah. They start to dog paddle. Some of these other teams with a strong finish can maybe make things interesting. We'll see how it plays out. But that's that's one of the best parts of everyone being kind of bunched together teams being alive because we see it time and again you were talking about how the Bengals were five and four last year and they and they they didn't have an overwhelming final record they were ten and seven but once you get to the playoffs that's your chance to to get hot and that's that's when they got their hottest ten, they yeah the playoffs ten and last seven. Year and started winning games right, that right. they weren't
2: supposed to win right ten and seven and won some games down the stretch though that opened their eyes right where they the way they yeah. beat Kansas City you know, had the 49ers on the ropes at home, almost pulled that off. You know, had a few other dominant wins where we started to go, whoa, like they have a chance here. And then, like you said, they played their best ball in the playoffs. But you're right. There's going to be somebody that comes out of the blue out of some, in, in some you know, way there that's going to be like a team. We went, oh, man, we didn't see this coming or they were pretty mediocre through the first 10 weeks. And wow, they're on fire right now. Uh, it'll be interesting to see who that is. And health is going to be a factor. You got to have your key players if you want to
1: be a team that finds its stride in December and early January. And if the Bengals don't have Jamar Chase for several more games, that could be a problem. Here's Joe Burrow from last night talking about what it meant to not have a dominant receiver like Jamar Chase available in that loss to the Browns.
0: Yeah, anytime you that guy goes down, it's going to be, you know, it's going to have an effect, but.
1: Uh and we're 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 a better offense than we put out
0: there tonight, even without him. And so um there's no excuses for that.
1: You mentioned the lack of a run game. Joe Mixon had twelve hundred and five rushing yards last year. Right. He's got like four hundred and change so far this year, fewer attempts per game. And you just it's either not working behind that revamped offensive line or they're getting away from it too early. But they've, they've got to figure things out. And that, that's really the key to becoming – it's not just health. It's having a coaching staff that can figure out how to fix what's wrong with the team in the midst of that constant grind. Week after week after week after week, how do we make repairs? How do we stay ahead of the curve? How do we shore up our issues? And how do we maybe spot the problems yeah. that our opponents have? Right. That's, why, that's why they – they sleep at the office, folks. That's why the Yeah, and, and I, I mean I don't know that I that I condone or recommend that, but that's what happens. You get so obsessed, you have only so many days, only so many hours, you spend as much time as you can if you give a crap and you're trying and you feel any heat whatsoever, or you're just concerned. I mean, you, you, you it becomes all encompassing. You can't turn yeah. it off.
2: No, they can't. They they better not. They definitely can't. Because I, I think you said it. I mean, to me, it's it's going to be on the coaches on this one. It's going to be on Zach Taylor and Brian Call- Callahan, offensive coordinator, to figure this out. Last year, they had a running game. Their offense has always been simple. It's always been too reliant on the Jimmy and, Jimmys and Joes. But that's fine, and you can get away with that when you have a running back like Joe Mixon, like you said, who ran for 1,300 yards last year. It did exactly what you talked about with Cleveland a few minutes ago. So, hey, yeah, we're not that creative on that side of the ball, but we can run it, and you have to respect it, and it's going to give us some looks to make the plays we want in the pass game, let alone open up play action pass, which we know is the number one device for big passes in the league right now. So, But they don't have that right now. And, Mike, they're not giving up on it too early with Joe Mixon. They have to give up on it because it's almost like human abuse when they give it to him. I mean, in most games, it's like, God, I feel bad for the guy. By the fourth carry, I look at it and go, man, I feel bad. He's got nowhere to go. He's getting killed already. They, they, they got nothing. There, there, was, there was no point last night where you went, ooh, maybe they can get the running game going. At no point did we think that at all. So that's where it's going to be on the coaching to sleep in the office and come up with some other ways to beat teams and play a different style and do some things on the offensive side of the ball that make you think rather than Joe Burrow, drop back real quick and wait, is somebody open real quick? Oh, no, they're not. I got to throw it here. I got to throw it here. That's just that's not going to get it done for the Bengals and what they want to be ultimately.
1: Doesn't it make you wonder what the hell they did the whole offseason?
2: Yeah, I, they, they were too taking comfortable. Taking this
1: operation to the next level. Yeah,
2: right. No, they were too comfortable, which is a common thing. I mean, teams just go, "Well, wait, wait we, we're going to do what we do. We got the talent. That's great. And then, you know, they overestimated where their offensive line would be. And so they just went, okay, our formula was tried and true last year. It got us to the Super Bowl. And, the, you know, but you're right. That's To, to your point – Teams that take that approach, it it never works out the right way. The really good teams always tweak. I mean, you know, like the Chiefs. Hey, we're in the AFC Championship game. we got to change some things. we got to play a little differently. Oh, look, they got a little run game. They've added more screens and some other creative RPOs to their offense that, okay, whoa, there's a few things to change here. A little bit more of the short passing game to to compound people who take away the big plays. So they didn't rest on their laurels, neither did the Buffalo Bills. And I think you're saying it right. They kind of just went, well, we, we did what we did last year. We'll do it again this year. And that just that never well, works out.
1: And what they're also doing is the thing you complained about with the Dallas Cowboys. Because when Dak Prescott's the quarterback, you just throw him the keys and say, you figure it out, Dak. We've got Dak. We've got a franchise guy. Then Dak goes down. Oh, we actually have to put in work as an offensive coaching staff and come up with creative ways to move the ball. And it forces them to work harder. Remember that? Comment from Mike McCarthy, we need to work smarter. We need to work harder because we're not working because we're trusting Dak Prescott too much to go out there and save our asses. And that may be what they Not that they sat down and had a meeting where they said, let's see, what's our plan for the offseason? We're not going to change anything because we have Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. It's just something that kind of happens. Nobody takes the lead. Nobody feels compelled to say, hey, you know what? We weren't exactly dominant last year. We're not, you know a, a high flying greatest show on turf type of an offense like if we want to get over this hump, we can't just roll the dice and expect them to land on seven again. we got to bust our asses to make it happen and to take it beyond what we did and and I I you know when when I hear your breakdown of what the Bengals are doing offensively, I say this is a team that did not put in the time in the offseason to truly, Commit to a plan for doing more this year than they did last year, and as a result, what's going to happen? They're not going to match what they did last year. They may not even get to the postseason.
2: Uh, well, that's what's scary. I mean, that's. I mean, Mike, let's let's sit here and play that game. Look at their schedule after the bye week. I and mean, they're definitely a team that I look at and go, "Hey, I know, I you know, I didn't, I didn't pick the Bengals to win the division, but I picked them to to go to the playoffs, and I'm." I'm certainly sitting here right now going, I, I don't know. I don't know if they're a playoff-caliber football team. I think they have a playoff-caliber defense. I think they got some stars on offense that are mixed in with some guys that are you know, below average offensive linemen and then a scheme that doesn't help them out. And then you go, okay, hey, well, they got the Steelers, great. Steelers have cause some problems for them because the Steelers, their front four can get there. So that they're going to have to deal with that. You know, and then, man, the Titans, the Chiefs, the Browns, the Bucks, the Patriots, the Bills, the Ravens. I mean, they could be in trouble here. There's not a lot of favorable matchups there where you go, ooh, I like how that looks for them. It's good coaching, good talent they're playing. I mean, the, the Bengals are definitely in danger of not being a playoff team this year. It's going to be tough, and they need Jamar Chase back ASAP if they really want to make a run at this thing.
1: Not just ASAP, A S A F P. They need Jamar <laughs> Chase back. <laughs> now ASAP they have the Panthers for- this week. <laughs> they got to win this one against the Panthers. Obviously going into their bye, that Steelers game. You see that little peacock there, and the, the both the logo and the word spelled out. I, you know, yeah, we don't make those decisions. But we're gonna flex out of that guys. crap.
0: I don't know. That, we, we don't uh, make we
1: don't make well, those. No, decisions. we don't. But, that, but there's that two looks two flex out of the two, get out of here. Prime <laughs> <games>. <laughs> two prime time games. Two primetime games left. And Chris. One thing, though, on the back end of the schedule, by week 17, which will be the last Monday night game of the year because everybody plays that Sunday, although didn't they break out the Saturday? Yeah, they're breaking out Saturday games, week 18, but there's no Monday night game week 18. The Bills may have everything wrapped up by then. It may be the Case Keenum show when Buffalo comes down. So that Could actually be. may work to the Bengals' benefit if they're trying to right. get one of those wild card spots or still win the division. Because the division is still winnable. They're only one game behind the Ravens. That's the good news. It's kind of like the flip side to Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. Even though it isn't going the way that we wanted it to, we're in a division where we have an opportunity to to still take it. One last point. They're telling me to break, but I, I gotta ask you this. Yeah, Kareem Hunt widely believed to be on the move today, final year of his contract. He said whatever happens, happens. The Browns have put out the word that they'll take a fourth round pick for him. Would you trade him if you were the Browns? My concern is Nick Chubb gets hurt then. I guess I go to the Ernest Johnson, who played well last year when he was pressed into service, but I don't after getting that win last it's night, it's I don't dicey. know that I'd do it.
2: I, I think I would yeah, you'd you'd have to make me feel real good about the trade. I'm not, not going to just, you know, again, I, I think they've shown enough potential to where they could still have a say in this thing here. They could. And, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to just go, oh, well, because we might have them and this is our last year, let's get something for them and we're just going to, you know, sell them down the river for a bag of chips here. Now that, that's, not, that's not cool. No, I wouldn't do that. You're right. Their game, their team, they're, they are who they are because of the run game. So they have to protect that. Uh, so it would have to be something significant to to, to move the needle to get me to, to trade Kareem Hunt. I'd be interested to see who wants to jump into that conversation. That's what's going to be really interesting, too.
1: By the way, the window closes at 8, not 8, at 4 p.m. Eastern today. I'm sure it's 8 o'clock in some time zone, but 4 p.m. Eastern today is when the trade deadline expires. I think it's too early. I think they need to move it back, especially with the extra game. Now it used to be week six. They moved it to week eight. At a minimum, it needs to go to week nine. I still think it's too early because there are teams out there that aren't ready to admit that it's time to stick a fork in them. Who, who, as we stick a okay. fork. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, go ahead. Who go do you ahead.
2: think? Who do you think? You know, you hear rumors, but like, who do you think the team? I know the Rams people say that with Kareem Hunt. I just Again, I don't, I don't see that. I don't know. I mean, again, the Rams are are strapped for picks and assets as is. Uh, and the, man, I don't know if Kareem Hunt really turns the team around. Uh, they'd be one where I'd go. There's no holes there. I don't care who we get a running back. We can bring back Bo Jackson in his prime. We're gonna have issues there. Where, where do you think? Like, what are the teams that are gonna really jump into this Kareem Hunt conversation?
1: The Bills reportedly called about Alvin Kamara. Yeah. That was from Jay Glazer on right. Sunday. I can't help but wonder that whether that was an effort by the Bills front office to light a fire under the running backs they currently have. I don't know that Kareem Hunt dramatically upgrades the Bills' options. They're not horrible. No. Devin Singletary. Cook's Zach good. Moss. Yeah. Cook's. James Cook. Yeah. Coming on halfway through his rookie season. Right. Alvin's younger brother. So I, I, I don't know. And – the problem is finding the right compensation. Two, three, a four, and a five for Christian McCaffrey. A six that can become a five for James Robinson. That's a huge range between those two extremes, and I think the challenge is making it land in the right spot. And there isn't a whole lot of time to do it. The clock's ticking toward 4 p.m. Eastern. You get guys who are stubborn. Nobody wants to be criticized for doing a bad deal. How do you find a win win? It's just, it's not easy to do.
2: Well, the thing that jumps out to me and is. And now Naheem Hines.
1: Naheem Hines is in the mix now, too. The Colts running back. He's available. So the more options that are available, you've got Hines. You've got Hunt. You've got Jeff Wilson Jr., who's supposedly out there.
2: Yeah, right. You've
1: got Cam Akers, if anybody wants him. The Rams haven't been bashful about the fact that he's done there, although he may not. They may welcome him back if they can't trade him. But. That makes it harder to get value when there's that many guys. Any one of those teams trying to trade these guys, well, whoever's interested has other options. It well, drives down the price.
2: Definitely. You're right. Definitely that. And I think the other thing that just comes to, to the forefront of my brain is, you know, the teams that are in the playoff conversation don't really have a great need of running back. I don't you know, I don't see a team in either playoff, you know, AFC or NFC right now as we stand, other than maybe Atlanta, would they want Kareem Hunt? All right, but they're still running the ball at a nice clip. I mean, it doesn't matter who's at running back. I know they have no Cordero Patterson, but, like, the rest of the teams I look at, I go, you know, okay, maybe Philadelphia. Do they want to make another move to add to their all-star team? I think that's probably the weakest part of their team is tailback. If you got Kareem Hunt there, I'd go, like, holy shit, Batman. They're unstoppable. But after that, I don't know if there's a team that I look at to go, man, running back, they're a playoff team or they're just on the fringe here. It puts them over the edge. And that's where I I think the the trade value is going to hurt a guy like Kareem Hunt.
1: Anytime that phrase is uttered, I have flashbacks to 1989 when a running back who would go on to a noteworthy career in law.
2: How about them Cowboys?
1: For the Minnesota Vikings. (laughs) By the way, in an effort to curry favor with the Bengals fans, I need to share an email that I got (laughs) from a Browns fan who is from Athens, Ohio. Okay. Joe Burrow's hometown. Right. As a Browns fan, I want you to be right about Joe Burrow leaving, but you have to factor in the fact that he's from Athens. He is God here. He has millions of kids loving him. He is the king of Ohio. It pisses me off. He isn't leaving. So (laughs) some people in Ohio would like him to go, but they understand (laughs) being from Ohio He's probably going to stay. All right, we are going to stay. When we return, another guy who isn't staying in Chicago as the Bears continue their in-season dismantling of a team that really doesn't seem to be all that far off. Why are the Bears selling off their best players? We'll break that down with PFT Live. Presented by Google Pixel continues right after this.